Welcome to episode 38 of Dads from the Crypt, a Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. I'm joined by Mondo. Hello. And Jody. Hello. How are we doing tonight? It is WrestleMania weekend. Yes. Uh, So therefore, I just wasted way too much time watching mostly not good pro wrestling. But I did get to watch the return of one, the only Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) <laughs> and it made it and it made my 13 14 year old heart just uh i had a lot of fun watching him wrestle so that was worth the five dollars a month that american express reimburses me for peacock that's awesome yeah i saw that on twitter so did he, did he do the stunner uh he did yesterday he did a impromptu no holds barred match against kevin owens stunned him and then drank beer for like eight hours um <laughs> and then tonight uh one of the worst things i've ever seen in history Vincent Mann came out of his announcer chair to beat to beat the wrestler because he's Vincent Mann. And then Austin came in and beat everybody up. Austin Theory. Shout out to Austin Theory, who took the best stunner probably of all time, like the best sell of all time. And then Vincent Mann, I kid you not, took the absolute worst stunner in the oh. history of the world. <laughs> it was cool to see Vince stun him one more time, but I'm pretty sure he had to have torn both his quads when he fell down again. And it, it, dude, like, and, and not a, you know, he shouldn't be in the ring at seventy-seven years old or however old old he is, man. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just too old. So is he? Again, I haven't watched wrestling since like nineteen ninety-seven. So is Steve Austin back, or is this no, just like a one-time no, no, like no. WrestleMania? Uh, it's a one-time man, Steve Austin. He's uh, fifty-seven now, oh, and and the other time he retired back in. Um, Right after WrestleMania 19, that was the last match he had uh, where The Rock beat him in the rematch. Was it 19? Was it 19. WrestleMania 19 was 2002, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, because his neck was so bad, he broke his neck, obviously, in 97 off the botch pile driver from Owen Hart. And then had a lot of injuries there with his knees. His neck really never got better to the point where, like, dude, you really can't be doing this anymore. But, but um, here he is uh, 20 uh, years later. Uh, did a very, very safe match. Took a fucking suplex on the concrete. And I was like, holy shit, you're too old. Please don't do that. It, it's weird now. The older I get, I watch wrestling with a lens. And as much as I love wrestling, I, I still like, I'll see something like, please, please. Like, that's going to hurt so much in 10 years, 10 years from now. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really cool to see Steve Austin come back and, and do get his one last hurrah. And this will be his one last hurrah. I don't think he'll ever do this again, which is which is fine. Like, yeah, and, no, he's put in his... I mean, I just I, I appreciate anybody, an older man getting out there and doing something really physical like that, because I can hurt myself sleeping funny. So I'm like, if you're out there willing to do that, like, go for it. Yeah, standing depressing. up from a chair sometimes is a stretch. Yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I do think that it's um, also what you're willing to put your body through. Sure. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean that like. I, I think at 38, now when I start jujitsu, yeah, I get hurt doing jujitsu, but I don't get hurt from doing stupid shit anymore. It's really rare that I'll bend down and be like, oh, I'm back. 
And I think, cause I'm putting, I'm constantly working those muscles out and, and using those muscles. And I know Steve worked really hard to, to get back into shape, to do this. And not that he's ever not in shape, right? Like, uh, but it, for those guys, it's a cosmetic business and being in shapes uh, on a different level. Um, but he looked like he was having the time of his life. He had, he looked like he was having the best time in the world. Like he was a seven year old kid out there drinking, drinking his, his uh, broken skull American lagers from my good, good friends at El Segundo Brewing Company. In uh in your neck of the woods, Jason, it's mm-hmm. in El Segundo, California. Great brewery, if if no one's been there, it's one of my favorites to go to when I'm down in California. Uh, but man, like if anybody has nostalgia from, from the attitude era of WWE or WWF back when they were young, fucking just watch Austin they're drinking beer and stunning people and have the time of his life. It was it was cool. I think my favorite things ever was sometime in the late 90s, Jewel came out with a uh, book of poetry. And uh, one of the late night shows back then had Steve was having Steve Austin on as a guest, <laughs> and they asked him to read some of Jules' poetry. That's awesome, and he Good did dude. it with like this like really stern, straight voice. And like, all right, you know, I, I gotta. It was awesome. I gotta find that. And, and Steve Austin was doing his own podcast for a while. What oh, was he? Um, yeah, now he's he has his Broken Skull sessions, which he does on Peacock for WWE. But he was having all kinds of fun guests from different walks of life on there actors he had the guys from sierra nevada brewing on there the head brewers um and, and they're all just fun you could just tell he was just a he he really comes across as very genuine mm-hmm. as, as a very very just likable human being so um I, I was to see him out there and just having the biggest smile on his face is great and for a minute there uh jason i have to ask you though did he get to deliver the stunner to jewel she was not actually there okay. she's just reading from her book now he did one time he did stun Former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I've seen that clip. I mean, he, he did make it into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. okay. 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 <laughs> okay. We're getting, we're getting way, way over. Uh, okay. Uh, well, real fast. The WWE Hall of Fame is not the Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's for okay. WWE. Good. So if you have a pulse... You can pretty much get in that. No, sorry, take that back. If you ever at one point had a pulse and wrestled for WWE, <laughs> you get to be in the Hall of Fame. Like I think the fucking Brooklyn Brawlers in the Hall of Fame. Coco Beware, who didn't do anything really in WWE, is in the Hall of Fame there. Um, so it's not a. Okay. It's not a. Really that makes me feel a little bit better. Now, uh, uh, the, the prestigious one is the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, and uh, that one is done by Dave Meltzer, the most famed historian uh, of wrestling um, ever. And it, it, Donald Trump is not in that Hall of Fame, nor would Dave Meltzer ever even let him be nominated for that Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right. But tonight we will be discussing Tell Us in the Crypt episode Deadline, which premiered on August 14th, 1991. Jody, hit us with a plot synopsis. Wait, you mean we're not going to talk about pro wrestling for two hours? No, no, that's, <laughs> a, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Mono just had like a nostalgia moment there talking about uh, other things. I love it. All right, uh, so we open on a bar, which I, I wish we had this set for uh, the Crypt Keeper most of the time. We've mm-hmm. had this little bar. There's all these skeletons sitting at the bar and walking. One One's walking around serving food. And when I say skeletons, I mean like Halloween skeletons, just like being moved <laughs> by somebody, like holding on to them at the bottom. They're going like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it kind of actually reminded me of a worse version of the skeleton that walks across the uh, the room in House on Haunted Hill from the uh, yeah. 50s. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but worse and intentionally worse, which is what made it great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the little set and uh, the Crypt Keepers, the barkeep bartender. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun start to the whole thing. I would go to that bar to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so we open up on a man named Charlie who is talking directly to the audience. You just kind of get a headshot of him. He introduces himself as a newspaper man who would do anything to get a story. And then he said, well, he was up until a little while ago. Uh, we find out pretty quickly that he is also an alcoholic, and that's why he's not a newspaper man, because he spends all this time in his local bar. Uh, we are actually see him sleeping with his head down on the bar. And when the bartender wakes him up and tells him, uh, you know, you got this job interview later, you need to, to get up and get going. He says, well, I got time for one more drink. So this this guy is hard in it. Uh, the bartender actually says to him, you need to lay off a little bit. You know, he is benefiting financially from this man, but even he is like, dude, take take a break. Um, he yells at him. Uh, but as he's in the middle of yelling at him, a woman walks in and catches Charlie's eye. Uh, first, she, she he thinks she's a sex worker, but she's not. Her name is Vicky, and Charlie is immediately into her. And so much so that he wants to turn his life around to get back to where he was before he became an alcoholic. He wants to get his job back. He wants to get himself together. He wants to stop drinking completely. And uh, she doesn't want anything serious, but he says he's okay with that. And I think that kind of intrigues her and she's, she stays around uh, for longer than I think she even expected to. So then Charlie shows up at the newsroom looking for a job. Uh, he begs and says he's going to quit drinking, and the boss gives him a chance. He wants it, Charlie to bring him a story, but not just any story, a story about a murder. That's what Charlie specialized in back in the day when he was good, and now he wants to see if he still has some of that old juice. So, uh, Charlie, we have a little small scene of him visiting his sister and asking for a loan, and apparently he's been doing this every month for a long time, and uh, he says that I'm going to quit drinking. We have all these times. He's, he's telling everybody. I'm, I'm making a change. I'm going to quit drinking. After uh, Charlie and Vicky get together again, he says, you know, I'm going to spend some money on you, buy you some earrings. And she says, no, I don't want anything serious. No last names, even no phone numbers. Just we will run into each other and uh, we'll have a good time. So uh, we go back to Charlie. He's trying to reestablish his life. He's making a bunch of phone calls to all his old informants, but he just keeps getting shut down. He's been out of the business too long. Uh, and he goes back to the bar and complains to the bartender and asks him to pour him a drink. But the bartender won't give him any booze. He's he's taking care of his friend. It, and, it, was, also, it was also 9 a.m., he says. Uh, yeah. That is also 9 a.m. <laughs> hey, apparently, Charlie, prior to this, has been doing this at 9 a.m. So, Which there's okay. nothing wrong with a drink at 9 a.m. if that's when you get off work. But yeah. if, it's if it's before work, eh. if the bar is open and you've been work, there all night. <laughs> yeah. If it's instead of work, yeah. I could go work or I could have another drink. Um, and I think that's where Charlie's been at. So he says, you know, instead of that, go get you a cup of coffee, get you something to eat, read the newspaper, see if you can find something. And so he heads to a diner for coffee. While he's sitting at the diner, he meets the guy behind the counter. Uh, his name is Nikos. And then uh, Nikos goes to the back and you hear him arguing with a woman followed by a scream, a thud, and a crash. And so Charlie goes to investigate, and the man walks out. He says, I killed her. She deserved it, but I, I, I killed her. Uh, she's been cheating on him, and it's his wife. She's, he, he strangled her in a fit of jealous rage. He said that she's just been teasing him. He's been going, or she's been going to meet random men at bars and, just to make him jealous and flirting with every guy who came in. And uh, she wanted to go out that night again, and he stopped her. Charlie says, we have to call the police. And he goes back to the back room to call the police where the body is. 
And he sees the woman laying on the ground when he starts to make the phone call and she starts to sit up. So Charlie hangs up the phone, walks over to the woman and rolls her over and realizes that it is Vicky. She's the wife of this man. And at that point, he asks how she could do this to him and starts to strangle her. Right after she dies, Nikos walks in. And Charlie says the police are on the way. Then he calls his boss while taking a drink of uh, Nikos's liquor and says the whole story to pitch it to him. And he says, I've got this great story for you. And I thought that was the end, but there was still just this one little thing afterwards. It fades back into Charlie talking to us again, like he was at the beginning. And he's telling us this story in a straight jacket for some reason. And he says he's writing a book. And then he says he really needs a drink. So that little tacked on ending, I don't know what to make of it. We'll talk about it. But everything leading up to it, uh, that that was the story of a man who would do anything to get ahead. All right. Um, Mondo, why don't you start us off? Okay. What's interesting about this is Walter Hill, who's done, this was his third episode? Third, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he did Man and, Who Was Death and Cutting Cards. Yeah, his his um, his episodes are, are, are very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, very like uh, humanity being uh, the real villain. Or, or yeah, the there's hu- nothing the, supernatural the, in any Correct. Uh, very kind of, and you know, I, I think Cutting Cards is my favorite episodes of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Man Who Was Death, obviously, is a great episode. I think this one definitely falls pretty far below these because it was kind of just confusing in, in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm sure someone listening to this is way smarter than I am and can, tell, can talk about all the nuances they tried to, to get through with it. But it's a pretty straightforward story about an alcoholic, like you talk about an alcoholic um, reporter who in cinema especially horror cinema every reporter has an alcohol problem uh there, there are no good reporters and or the good ones it doesn't make for a good movie or a good story or a good tv show or a good story there's a lot of weird stuff about it how uh nico was talking about his wife going to random bars and meeting guys yet she just was picking up guys from the bar he worked at uh, you would think he would have noticed that and the the ending where he just kind of shows up in the straitjacket like why is he in the same asylum now uh, you think he got arrested, right? Like, at what point did he go insane? And it also makes me kind of think, was he supposed to be an unreliable narrator? Like he, he was maybe seeing things differently than everybody else was, but in which case it still doesn't make a, a, a ton of sense to me as to why the, the, the proceedings happened the way they did. Uh, so overall, probably this is, I'd go as far as saying probably the weakest episode I've seen in season three so far. Really? I, I, I think so. And, and I don't necessarily think it's bad. It, it just had a lot, it left a lot of questions for me and it could just be me being, old and tired all weekend when I watch this, when I watch the episode, but I rewound, I rewound it a couple times towards the end. Like, am I, am I just missing a piece? Mm-hmm. There's something I'm missing. Cause it seemed like it just jumped and there was some exposition there in the middle that should have been given to me to kind of explain how he got from this point uh, to this point. Uh, but what I will say, you know, the performances like we talk about a lot, all solid performances, uh, the, the bartender, I, I don't remember his name, but I love he's the uh, he's um, John. The actors is John, uh, John Cap- Capodis, Capodis, uh, John Mike Capodis, the bartender. Mike sure. the bartender. Yeah, he's uh, he's in again, one of those great character actors you see pop mm-hmm. up and everything. Um, I always remember him from being the uh, the cop. That insults Ace Ventura. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 he, and he makes it. He makes a joke about the uh, the insect having a bigger dick than him. And I've always I always love him in that role because he plays that role really really well. And I, I did like 
a lot of things about the episode. I like the when you're bartending, he showed a real I thought it was really good at the beginning when he's showing a real concern about this mm-hmm. guy having an alcohol problem and trying to get back on his feet. Uh, I, I like when you see the reporter when he's, you know, after he meets, uh, meets a woman, uh, meets Vicky and you see him and he actually has his hair combed for the first time in the episode, his ties on straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I thought things. A, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was really, really well done. They really pay attention to those details. But again, I just think towards the end, when you have the big, uh, the, the climax, climax, so to speak, where he strangles Vicky and then calls his boss and then you see him in the straight jacket. I was like, all right, what yeah, the, the, the fuck missing. just happened yeah. in the last eight minutes of this episode or five minutes of this episode? And I think that's what kind of really takes it down for me is that that ending is so kind of uh, I don't think it's thought out well enough. Yeah, or maybe the, something I left on the cutting room floor that should have been put in there. Yeah, it leaves like a little bitter taste. Definitely. Right. Um, so you would put this below uh, the first episode, Love at First Sight? That's the Love Potion one. The Love Potion one? Mm, no, no, I would not. No, <laughs> not. Good, good, good call. Because we're rounding out the, the end of the season, so I've been thinking about like how I would rank a lot of these. and That, that one just like angers me. Yeah, no that that was a that was a bad episode overall. But again, I don't know if this is necessarily a bad episode, just mediocre in my opinion. Uh, Jody, what do you think? Yeah, so up until that ending, which I I'll get to in a minute, I, I really enjoyed most of this episode. I thought it was really well acted, well directed. There's some cool shots, like when uh, they go to the newsroom. It's like one continuous shot of them going through and mm-hmm. all this craziness happening. He's talking with the boss. That's cool. like it, it's a well made episode, and uh, the the acting was really good too. Like the the desperation that the main character has. Uh, you know, he he's a man kind of at the end of his rope who's trying to get his life together. And I feel like you can really feel that. There's the scene where he's calling all his contacts and realizing his big plan is not going to work the way that he hoped. Like he's, a, he's just going to jump back into this new life. And it's, it's more of a struggle than he expected. So I, I liked all that. I liked uh, Mark Helgenberger as Vicky. Mm-hmm. I thought she played a good, she's not quite a femme fatale. I, I don't think she has that kind of edge of evil to her, but uh you know, she's kind of mysterious and she plays it, kind of keeps it uh, separate. And I, I, that's, I really, I was into all of it mm-hmm. right up until the end. Right. <laughs> because the moment when, even before the weird kind of tacked on thing, when he f- went back there and the one was laying face down, I'm like, oh, that's Vicky. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, yeah. like I, we've watched how many episodes of this show now? 37. If it had been any other show, I probably wouldn't have thought that. But on this show, I'm like, oh, that's we're, right. we're setting up the twist here. We're getting towards the end of the episode. That's yeah. obviously going to be her. Well, once you once you see a body laying down, you're like, oh, that's Vicky. And then when he asks for the phone, he says it's back there where the dead body is. You're like, oh, yeah. no, she's not going to be dead. He's going to have to kill her. Yeah, right. I kind of mapped out the whole thing in my head. Like, yeah, I mean, he says at the beginning, I'll do anything for a story. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even from that moment, you're like, he's going to kill somebody, right? Like, he's definitely going to kill somebody. That's the whole thing. Oh, one thing about Vicky real fast that actually is really neat and and how she's portrayed is Mark always portrays her as a very strong woman, very strong willed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and at no point, it's kind of interesting that they actually, it's the unreliable narrators, the men calling her these right. uh, uh, un, uncouth names for a promiscuous woman, where she's right. just portrayed, though, actually an episode as a strong willed woman who just mm-hmm. kind of does whatever she wants to do and, you know, kind of good for her. And I like the fact that they never really portray her in a negative, a super negative light. They never really do. It's the negativity surrounding her 
are the opinions uh, of the men surrounding her, not uh, not the episode's opinions of her, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. I, I need the zombie girls to come on our show and talk yeah. about <laughs> this in a smart manner. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so, like I said, I, everything at that end point, like as soon as as soon as uh, he walked to the back, I figured out where this episode was going. It was pretty obvious. But that last little part, like I just I don't even understand what happened there. There's a little bit of implication. I mean, just the slightest threadbare implication that maybe he killed other people at some point, And that's what landed him there, because the whole thing about I led two lives and I'm writing a book and all this stuff like yeah. Maybe like he continued to kill people to write newspaper stories. I, well, but it just doesn't give you enough to grab onto there. So yeah, what, what that called back to me was the episode "Easel Kill Ya" with, okay. with the artist who was killing people to create art. So that's right. It's kind of like if you merge these two episodes, they're kind of mirroring each other a little sure. bit. So my 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 way to make this episode better would have been to speed up the beginning. Mm-hmm. And add in at least one or two instances where he had to kill someone to get a story. And then the third one would be the, where they end up with Vicky in the diner, but right. then he gets caught red handed. Yeah. Or like where, where the, 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 a cop or something walks in or is the editor or someone uh, walks in finding him re re killing or finishing off Vicky. And that's how he gets caught. Then he should ends up in the insane asylum. Or and, whatever. you know, obviously not so he killed Vicky. I don't think they showed us enough of that relationship to make right. it be that, uh, that impactful right. because, um, but then again, to, to your guys points, it, it could have been just that being like, maybe he always kills these women. He has one night stands with or whatever. Um, but it's also with good storytelling you shouldn't have to fill the you shouldn't be the one to fill the blanks in right you can fill in like those little tiny gaps but you're trying to fill in like major plot points that that makes it really difficult and that's just kind of a little bit of lazy storytelling there that you really shouldn't i mean um, even if he had just been in prison at the end just like regular prison i would have been like okay so i guess he got caught and that would have been it that would have been enough for me even though right before that, I thought it was kind of like, oh, well, this is interesting. The bad guy's kind of getting away with it in this one. And then suddenly he's in a, a straitjacket. So, I, yeah, there was something there needed to have been something just, to that, that either needed to be cut out completely. I know they wanted that little punchline about I need a drink, but either cut it out or make it make sense. Just one of the All two. Right. It, it does kind of put a damper on the whole episode when you're left at the end going, what the hell just happened? Like I, I was tracking with this whole thing and now I'm confused and I don't know why it did that. How cool would it have been at the very end? He's in an electric chair, uh, hearkening back to the man who was death. Oh, and, and William was- Sadler is the one who's yes. doing the switch. Yes. yes. Yeah. How cool would that have been yeah. just a, as a throwback to the, uh, that would have been boss to the original. Just, it, it needed a punch like that at the end, something mm-hmm. cool at the end, instead of just kind of this weirdness. And you want to know what the other piece you brought about how it was very, tales from the crypt obvious that it was going to be her in that room yeah there is nothing wrong with knowing where a story is going to go again i'll go back to pro wrestling and in and, and good pro wrestling you can kind of see where it's going to go but if the execution is great it doesn't matter that you knew where it's going to go right. you don't need a twist i'll go back i'll go to the saw movies too saw three is one of my favorites and saw three really doesn't have a twist it's very straightforward but you see where it's going and the ending is so cool that it all makes sense and it's like oh yeah that's where I thought it was going and the execution was great. So uh, that's something that I think in the tales from the crypt episodes, I really love is where I see where it's going, but the execution is so good mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. Like that's where I, I'm like, yes, this is where I wanted it to go. And right. that's what makes, makes it really great. 
Well, there's sure. there's a difference between seeing where it's going and being like, oh, so this is going to happen, right? Or seeing where it's going and going, oh, <laughs> I know, I know what's about to happen here, and I'm excited for it. Exactly. And with this one, it was more kind of a, oh, I figured out the plot, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. yeah it was more, it was more ex- expecting what's going to happen than right. discovering it as it was happening. Like, I guess we, I think I felt, at least for me, I felt like I got it like a beat or two before I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that makes you just kind of, then you're sitting around waiting for it to happen, as opposed to figuring out kind of when I think the story wants you to. Yeah, no, I think um, the story kind of wants her to roll over, and you go, "Oh, wow, it's Vicky!" But, but yeah, yeah, course, you kind of, of course yeah, it was. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with everything you guys were saying. The the ending really kind of puts a damper on it, and like I said, I I would have definitely sped up the the opening in that it's in some more um, instances of him like creating murders because then suddenly you know he's going to murder someone to get a story. Right. Um, but I do think the acting is actually really good. And that kind of elevates it to very, mm-hmm. puts a very human level on it. I do think it's well, a lot of shots, the scenes are well directed. It's just, I, I think another like 15, 10, 15 minutes would have really benefited fleshing out the story. Again, it's Tales of the Crypt. There's a cookie cutter formula um, that they're trying to do, uh, which can kind of inhibit some of the stories they want to tell. So I think either you have to give it more time or rearrange some things to make it more economic because uh, i feel like we missed like five ten minutes of story to make this a full thing but i did but i think that is that is a testament to the acting and the emotional punch that we are kind of like how, how can we make this better to reach to reach another level like a story a story like like again uh love at first sight where you're like no just scrap the whole thing you know th- there's nothing redeeming <laughs> there where in this episode, you like there's a lot of redeeming moments and, mm-hmm. and parts that we want to make it better. Well, you go back to one of his other episodes, which was Cutting Cards, mm-hmm. where that's the kind of episode I think could have been fleshed out into like, give me that as a second Tales from the Crypt uh, movie instead of Bordello of Blood <laughs> with these two <laughs> rivals. Give me their backstory. Give me why they're yeah. here. Give me the current and then give me the future. And um, but he was able to do that in a very concise amount of time, it's but still, still hit all yeah. those plot points and still jam all this into an episode without it really feeling too busy, but always feeling like it's moving. Uh, where this one, you're right. I think the beginning really didn't feel like it was moving. It felt very slow. And then it's almost like, oh, shit, it's time for the third act. We got to shove all this into a short mm-hmm. period of time. And we're just not going to tell you how we get to the to the end point. Yeah. Your brain's um, got to fill that part in, which is, like I said, I think it's lazy. Right. Yeah. So this was directed by Walter Hill, who obviously, you know, did the Warriors, 48 Hours, um, Crossroads, uh, which I, I was reading about that. I want to see that movie. That looks Have like you ever really seen Crossroads? Movie. No. Crossroads is a lot of fun. Uh, the guitar battle at the end with Ralph Macho versus mm-hmm. the devil. And I think the devil, I think I think the devil is Stevie is Steve Vai. Oh, that's cool. I think he's playing guitar. We uh, can do so a... We can do a double bill of Crossroads and Crossroads with Britney Spears. Um, I, I, did... I, I was trying to figure out how I could just leave the podcast right there. <laughs> never come, you know, I never come back. But yeah, well, no. the movie that doesn't get talked about enough, I didn't realize this was like based off a book. But you guys ever see Brewster's Millions? Oh yeah, uh, um, I know of it with uh, Richard Pryor and yeah. G. Wall. Yeah. I don't think, I, you, I don't think we do. Oh, no, Dan Aykroyd. That's Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah, that's I, a really I, good movie. It's probably a movie I saw on TBS or TNT mm-hmm. way back mm-hmm. in the day, but I haven't seen it in my adult life to really yeah. comment upon it. Um, and then uh, this episode starts Richard Jordan, who I think actually does a very good, some of the dialogue isn't the best, but he gives a very mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. Uh, performance. He does a really good job. He was in Logan's Run. He was uh, Duncan Idaho from the 1984 version of Dune. 
And that name, Duncan Idaho, because I rewatched the new Dune last week. That name just always cracks me up. I don't know. It seems like the most American name possible in like this bizarre sci-fi world. He Is passed that, uh, away really young too, sadly. Because mm. he was in a lot. He's in a lot of good stuff. He was going to be in the lead for um, the Fugitive, which ended up starring Harrison Ford in 1993. Oh, wow. But his health started going downhill and just went downhill really fast. Um, he was also in Hunt for Red October and Gettysburg and a ton of other things. The guy who runs the diner, Nikos, is John Polito. And he's another awesome actor who never really mm-hmm. gets his due. Um, he was in Chud. He was in Highlander. He was in The Freshman. He was on the first season of Homicide Life on the Streets, which is like one of my fa- all-time favorite TV shows. He was in The Crow. And he was in The Big Lebowski. Um, oh, he was the, uh, yeah, he was the, the PI. Yeah. The Big Lebowski. Yeah. Okay. I love that guy. I love that role. He also, um, so my wife loves watching Gilmore Girls. It's one of her comfort shows. It's just kind of always on. So I just like passively sit there with her and watch while she's watching it. Um, and one of the characters, Sean Gunn or James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, makes these like avant garde art movies. Uh, they're like aping on uh, David Lynch. It's like kind of like Eraserhead style. And mm-hmm. uh, John Polito plays like the fatherly character he he's always, he makes he makes movies about weird ass babies gotcha yeah pretty <laughs> much um and so my wife came in at the exact scenes like how do i know this guy I'm like gilmore girls there you go well i mean that's that's a lot of the fun right of tales of the crypt is mm-hmm. watching the episode and being like i can't tell how many times i watch an episode at the pause it while i look somebody up like i know who this person is i need to know who they are right now because if not it's gonna bug me so that's a, that's a really cool uh, uh little uh, aside when you watch mm-hmm. these episodes and then uh, Richard Hurd, who plays the um, editor of the newspaper, he has a very long career, but two notable ones is uh, he, and he just passed away just a couple of years ago. Um, he passed away in 2020. He was in Get Out as the Armitage um, patriarch. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the video. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was also in my favorite comedy of all time, Planes, Chains, Automobiles. It was like, I think he was a hotel owner or something. Really? That That's, again, that's, we, we align on that, Jason, because my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time oh, yeah. but i did yeah. i did not recognize him from that it's good um oh, and the, then, hotel, the hotel owner at the end where he gives him the watch him uh, no actually, i think it's a different i think it's a different guy okay the guy with the watch i think was younger though the, the one where uh, i can't remember i think it was the first hotel they go like two two different ones but it's, it's a different guy um and then okay. john Cap- i can't i can't say this last name capadice capadice he was in Cue the Winged Serpent. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's actually that's a really good movie. Really good movie. Like, yeah, I feel like B movies, monster movies. That's a really no, good movie. that's one of those B movies, kind of like Robocop, that everyone's like, this is gonna be terrible. And then uh they made it work and made it's it work way great. better than it should be. Yeah. Right. He was also in Wall Street, uh, along with Speed, and as you said, that that great role Ace Ventura. That, that that's awesome. Um, and then uh, oh, and also in CSI as well. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, well, I think everyone's been in CSI at some point. <laughs> I think just living in Los Angeles, I've been in CSI at some point. <laughs> um, you could you could have been a dead body in CSI. Yeah, pretty much. Now, Marge Hellenberger plays Vicky. She was on a kind of a mash type of uh, drama, maybe a soap opera called China Beach. Um, she was also in the Tommyknockers miniseries. She was in Bad Boys. She was in Species. And she was in CSI for a really long time, and she was mm-hmm. in Under the Dome. So she's she's having she's still uh, acting, having a great career. 
they, they did the new season of CSI Las Vegas, and it was just it was, they, she wasn't in it, and that, was, that kind of bummed me out. Yeah, she was always one of my favorites. I haven't kept up with the series, but back when I did watch, I always liked her. Her and Gil oh, Grissom. Oh yeah, uh, the well, Gil Grissom was always great because he always had that weird little pun at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> and um, uh, and he's also great in Manhunter, obviously. Uh, the new season is very good, though. The new season of CSI okay. Las Vegas, it's, it's worth watching. Uh, I'm still bummed, though, that it's just basically Grissom and Sarah Seidel. Everybody else is kind of uh, out. I've it, never seen an episode of CSI. I don't know how, but... It, the, the original series was so good. Like, yeah. so good. Except for the fact is I'd hate to be like, we have a camera shot. Can you go ahead and get a 360-degree image of that camera and enhance, enhance it? Oh, enhance. yeah, of course. With this one megapixel camera with no recording on it. Yeah, of course we can do that. Yeah. yeah. See, you hate that, but I'm a graphic designer who works with clients who send me their crappy low res pictures and like, can you just make it look nicer like they do on TV? <laughs> no, I can't. You mean like I technology like, does not exist. Like when I send you a thumbnail for an episode art and say, can you make this look good? <laughs> it doesn't work. So uh, we had a police officer come to our office. We have cameras. And uh, wanted some video from the side of our office where we have cameras set up there, but that was our old office and we disconnected them because someone else owns it now. And uh, she goes, well, can you hook them up now? And then we can get the footage from when the incident happened. <laughs> I said, so you're asking me to hook up the cameras now and then go back in time to get footage that was never <laughs> recorded. And she looked at me, she goes, now that you said it, that sounded really stupid. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't worry, that's fine. <laughs> um, I, I have to admit, I've been distracted ever since you were talking about the actors because I've never seen Dune and the name Duncan Idaho has just been sticking with me because it makes me think yeah. of Jackie Daytona from what we do with the shadows. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one human alcoholic beverage, please. Yes. <laughs> um, getting back to the episode, I did love the wraparound. <laughs> that, was, that was a really oh, good yeah. one, and Ooh. they've been killing it with the wraparounds. You can definitely tell. I think the season, you know, when Al, when Al and Gil came on as producers, and they wanted to yeah. really dig into the um, Crypt Keeper character, and they're putting him in all these fun uh, scenarios. They, mm -hmm. they're, they're getting a lot of mileage out of that, which is cool. Yeah, and like I said, they're definitely having the most fun this season with wraparounds, and. I'm sure John Kassir is having a great time mm -hmm. being just campy as all hell. And uh, the wraparounds have definitely been a highlight for the season. And that's not a knock on the season. That's just a testament to how good the wraparounds are for this. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, also, I'm just kind of a sucker for, you know, a greasy diner. Uh, oh, just, yeah. As a setting. I well, just you, you, live in L you live in L.A. So that's yeah. like you're, the identity of L.A. is a greasy diner. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you look at all the. All these like Big Lebowski is a great example. Mm -hmm. uh, the greasy diner they uh, they hang out in when uh, he's like, I'm I'm finishing my coffee, drinking my coffee. And that's an iconic diner, but that's kind of that's kind of cool. Like I, I absolutely love that because you don't see it in a lot of places anymore. Right. We don't well, we don't I, have also, those in I, Vegas. Really? I, I was gonna say I think diners is like almost a universal Americana thing. Yeah, uh, we have Waffle Houses out here in the South. We have we have Blueberry Hill and IHOP. Uh, <laughs> we have this one it used to be a 50s diner and it's been now it's kind of one of those cursed buildings mm. that's had like 18 different restaurants mm -hmm. in it over the past 10 years and, and no one can kind of make it work and some good places there too but it's um when you say americana you gotta understand las vegas is still a relatively newer city compared to uh to most places where uh we don't really have the the greasy spoon around here no, we, we, we have uh, Waffle Houses and Cracker Barrels. 
out here mm-hmm. in the South. Uh, they not not as much of the old diners like that. Like uh, it, it really is something uh, something that I see mostly on TV and movies. Uh, you know, it's funny they opened the first crackle Cracker Barrel out here in like two three years ago. Well, mm-hmm. Longer than that, I forgot. The pandemic doesn't even count. I just kind of figured that right. didn't even happen. Yeah. So probably five years ago, I've never been to the one here in Las Vegas. I went to one while I was traveling for work, and the fried chicken, fucking phenomenal. It's good stuff. Oh yeah, no. If you're on the road, like if if you're driving somewhere. That's the place to stop and get some food. Uh, I've also real food. Uh, I've also tried Texas Roadhouse. Uh, super yes. overrated. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I paid 30 bucks for a ribeye and some sides. And I was like, this is some bullshit. Like, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, if my work wasn't paying for this, I'd be very angry. Um, all right. Jody, why don't you give us a comic comparison? All right, this came from Shock Suspense Stories number 12, December 1953 issue, uh, written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein again, art by Jack Common, some of our regular stable of artists and writers. Uh, This is a real easy comparison because it is literally the exact same story. Uh, Like, they didn't change a thing, hardly, uh, other than uh, the main character's names uh, are Larry and the girl's name is Annie, which uh, that does not work as well. I don't think I like the, the names of the show better. The diner owner's name is Mike. Um, the only real difference is uh, at the end, when he strangles the woman, he doesn't see her face until after she's dead. And then says, yeah. oh, no, it was her, which I think I, I'm not sure which one works better. If he deliberately is killing the woman, knowing who she is. Or if he's shocked by accidentally killing his girlfriend. I see. Yeah, I think I kind of, and that really paints the character differently. Because on the, on the mm-hmm. episode, he kills her knowing her who she is. And he still right. goes through with it. So it just kind of shows that he actually is malevolent. Malev- right. I can't say the word. I, I don't know why I can't, I can't pronounce tonight. Malignant? He's a tumor. Malign- <laughs> yeah, he's got malignant. He's, he's got Gabriel in him. <laughs> um, don't we all have a little Gabriel, all of us? No, 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 we don't. Actually, um, but that, and also in your synopsis, I think you said that he called the cops, but I think he and he initially called he the newspaper. He, he starts to call the cops. I thought, or maybe it was the newspaper. Maybe it I, was, I think but... it might have been the newspaper again, showing that he's not actually caring. He's trying. He's, right. Like he obviously wants to get a story, but you can figure he could call the cops and then call his editor too. Well, I think um, it. I think it changes a lot about the character depending on which version it is. Because mm-hmm. if he just kills some random woman for a story. That means that this dude is just driven to get a story no matter what. He doesn't care if he kills this person. He, he doesn't even know her. He has no connection to her. By knowing that it's Vicky, it could be that he's just jealous because yeah. he finds out she's married and it's a personal thing and it's not about that driven to get a story thing. So it, it really changes what his motivation is for murdering somebody um, because it, it I kind of like it better with the idea that he's just so driven to get a story. He's willing to kill somebody for Mm -hmm. it versus, Oh, well, you kind of screwed me over by having a husband. So I'm going to kill you. And as a side benefit, I'll get my story. Now, Jody, and the ones that you sent me, there's, there's the cover. Is that the cover associated with that story? Is that a different story? It's a different story. There's one about uh, drugs right after this one too. So this was the, uh, the drug PSA episode uh, or issue of uh, shock suspense stories. Cause the first about alcohol, the second one is about 
uh heroin i think or yeah because so yeah yeah, the cover that you sent has a guy on bed like in agony with a needle and a rubber band uh, the tubing and the spoon it's like very obviously heroin i'm like holy shit yeah this is the kind of stuff that uh parents in 1950s did not like (laughs) they didn't this one is is for a cover it's actually a lot it's pretty intense yeah it uh it it, you know kind of how when we grew up in the 80s and 90s most of us didn't know what heroin was until we were introduced to it at school when a dare officer described it. Uh, or those in the PSA. 1950s, you could pick up a comic book that very clearly shows you all the implements used to take mm-hmm. heroin. <laughs> well, it reminds you in, in uh, junior high, when I think they basically showed us a video on how to make meth. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here's how not. To, here's how you shouldn't. Here's what you should not do. Let's show a video of it. It was it, this is marijuana. T- Pass it around and smell it so you know what it smells like if you encounter it. <laughs> if you use this, you will feel really good having a euphoric state. But don't do it because it's terrible for you. Like, hold on a second. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Just say no. Yeah, but speaking of uh, upsetting 50s parents uh, by pushing the envelope a little bit, uh, the scene where he first meets Vicky, I've got uh, some of the dialogue here, or mm. really the narration. All right, Mondo, uh, insert insert sultry music. <laughs> uh, this he, he's he's talking. Remember, her name is Annie, and uh, you think of Annie coming to the bar last week and slipping up to the stool beside you, blonde, beautiful Annie. You think of that wonderful night with her when you rediscovered the reason for living. That wonderful night, driving out of the city, the road stretching in the darkness. Here we go. The excitement that rippled through your body and made your heart beat faster and your blood run hot as she swung her car into the parking lot. You think of that wonderful night with Annie and the morning after, waking and finding the cabin empty, Annie gone, and the note. That is a pretty heavy implication uh, for a comic read by a bunch of eight-year-olds. They're like, yeah, we uh, he met this lady and they went to a motel and they definitely had sex. Like, mm-hmm. There's no question there what they did in that motel. After, uh, after after reading that, uh, I guarantee you someone out there right now just went to Google and tried to find our OnlyFans or our Patreon <laughs> to, to hear more of this. So. Jody's, we've had, um, we've had sultrier uh, clips from this comic, too. But so I, had to, I had to turn my ceiling fan on. So Jody's uh, <laughs> ASMR videos. I do think as I've read more of these, being a parent, I'm like, I would never try to get a comic like this banned, but I could at least go... <laughs> I can understand what parents were kind of raising their eyebrows a little bit going, is my kid need to be reading this? It's kind of like when I hear my kids watching TikTok and I hear something, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm watching. What is that video? <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pause right here because what videos have you heard from them that, that made you do that? Oh, it's mainly just a lot of swearing that it's, you know, eight-year-olds listening to. So, okay. All right. Let's move on to our uh, ranking. Uh, Jody, what do you give this episode? Like I said, there was a lot of good stuff in it, even if the ending fell really flat for me. So I don't think this is a bad episode. I think in the end, the good and the bad kind of, I don't know, blend into each other and kind of make it mediocre. So I'm going to give this one a three. Oh, okay. It's, it's, there was enough good stuff leading up to it, I think. If it had nailed the ending, it would have been a good one, but it just, the, the ending took off a lot for me. Mondo, uh, I'm gonna go two and a half. Uh, I kind of can't give it three because I think that again, like like Jody, I'm I'm the same boat with with his. He's everything I want to say. Where it's the ending just kind of dropped off a cliff for me. Strong performances, direction was good, good cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love that hustle bustle shot of a newsroom. Yeah, and that's always so much fun. Like in every, doesn't matter what movie it is, give me that hustle and bustle shot of mm-hmm. a newsroom, and I'm a happy guy. But overall, the ending really took it down for me. Uh, the only way this was going to get a five is if Stone Cold Steve Austin showed up and started delivering stunners to everybody, in which case it'd be, be a definite five. But that didn't happen, so two and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with the two and a half as well. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh shit! We align. Look at this. I know. I know. <laughs> I try to come up with my ratings before we record, so. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was thinking about last week when we did uh, split second, and I was, I was like, "Why did I like have such like a, a manic rating on that one back and forth?" I'm like, "There's certain episodes you see as a 13 year old, and then other ones you see as a 41 year old, and you have different opinions on them." That was an episode that 13 year old Jason loved, and 41 year old was just kind of meh on, um, but I had to somehow reconcile those two. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that says about me because I still loved it as like 13 year old me just comes out when I watch Tales from the Crypt. Maybe 13 year old me would just bored with this episode. It's like, ah, there's no <laughs> blood. There were boobs in this episode. So 13 year old me would have liked that moment. You yeah, know, there you go. <laughs> they were short. We sh- yeah, we should do two rankings. One is uh, our 13 year old ranking. There's <laughs> our current. Oh, but before we completely move off the episode, uh, I forgot to mention, I really like the music in this one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, one of those like noir kind of scores. And I found out who did this score and I thought it was really cool. Ooh. Uh, Steve Bartek, the lead guitarist for Oingo Boingo. So Danny Elfman did no. the theme and the lead guitarist did uh, the music for this episode. That's, that's some good trivia, Jody. Yeah, sorry. I, already, <laughs> I would have saved that for trivia time. I've got some treats for that. <laughs> Cool. All right. Anything else we got to say about this episode before we move on? Okay, cool. All right, Mondo, give us song of the day. All righty. So I didn't really have anything introspective, but um, I just want to give a shout out to a band by the name of Sumerlands, who uh, in 2016 uh, released a self-titled record and kind of made me fall back in love with certain forms of power metal. And it's not growly vocals it's very it's a paramount band the vein of like your iron maiden but more straightforward um just straight i guess you call heavy metal and they released that record in 2016 and just recently they've started getting back on the road and doing live shows again so i'm hoping that they'll um actually put a new record out because uh sumerland self-titled records is god it's up here for me as a how good the album is half the band is also in another paramount band called eternal champion where if you want to see a guy running around on stage with a broadsword, that's your band. Because uh, that, that dude definitely runs around on stage with his broadsword. When did that band come out? Uh, Eternal Champion. So there's two different Eternal Champions. If you go on your Apple Music or Spotify, you don't find this Eternal Champion. Uh, they're on Bandcamp. Um, I think their Bandcamp is just eternalchampion.bandcamp.com. They did uh, the, the Armor of Ire back in 2016-ish. I'm sorry. Usually I try to have notes pulled up. I have no notes right now. No. Uh, well, look, the reason I ask is there's a Sega Genesis really game. I, I used to play Oh, God. Time. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know I mean, what you mean. That game was hard as fuck, too. Well, that was also, wasn't that a fighting game? And they're trying to be like Mortal Kombat, almost yeah. not being Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Were they like brutal finishers, mm-hmm. all that stuff? But it, was, it was, but it was incorporated into the background. So if like you hit a guy into a certain like zone, like a car would run over them if you hit them into the street. <laughs> That's funny. There's a game with that called Weapon Lord. And Weapon Lord, you would do weird, like, you didn't have finishers. But if the last blow was a certain move, mm-hmm. and throw the guy in the air, 
And we did the, mo- the move again. You cut his head off. Nice. You did the move again, and it would like cut his head in half, and the brain would fall out. What was it uh, on? Uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Look up Weapon Lord. Let Weapon Lord okay. probably fatalities if I find something out there. Now I'm gonna have to look this up. So I'm thinking about it. Anyhow, uh, back on track. <laughs> uh, song of the week because I was just trying to figure out something for the word time, and um, either time or alcohol. I want time because I was just listening to this record of the day and it's Sumerland's self-titled album uh, song is going to be time lash on that record. Just a great heavy metal record for people that hear my recommendations and don't want to hear the growly screechy vocals. It's none of that. It's just like pure fucking go back to the eighties and bang your head and have a good time and listen to some heavy metal. Uh, the lead singer has done a lot of stuff around different genres. He's had death metal band. Um, I actually kind of discovered them because of a black metal band called torture chain where he was, a, it's his own band where he did everything. And then I found other bands he was in and I just randomly listened to this one. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is good. Uh, so it kind of fell in love with that. But in, if you like this band, uh, eternal champion is the next band to check out because they're, pretty badass yeah uh, that, that's my that's my beef with a lot of metal like harder metal is the, the vocals just kill me like i don't mind the crazy guitar distortion and things but the growling and the yelling i know and that's a hot take it's okay it's, it's, it's not it's not a hot take because uh the beauty the, the beauty the beautiful thing about metal is there's so much stuff out there and i equate it to beer or to wine or to mm-hmm. um you know horror even right like you might not like haunted house movies but you might like slashers and, and metal is the same way you might not like black metal with the growly vocals and the lo-fi production but your heavy metal like an iron maiden as you just priest you might you might love it so it's um and, and i'm sure there's other music there's a lot of you know music just like that in general right like it's hard to pigeonhole one genre and say like i hate this genre you, you probably mm-hmm. don't hate this genre you probably hate pieces of it or don't like it. that's what i'm saying like yeah i like metal but some sometimes the vocals are just yeah you know, and then that's the thing i i think i i like a little bit of every single genre i mean we, if we you talk- can find an example of like a top or like your 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 jam within each genre yeah we've talked before like when we had um uh, the director of mental health and horror, um, Jonathan. Uh, yes, and uh, about 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 he's really into uh, uh to, to progressive metal and to mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, like like the kind of stuff like yes and newer opeth uh, into the prog metal. Uh, whereas like I like the older opeth stuff. But what's funny is you got into opeth and you found stuff you like from that from from that band because it encompasses a lot of things. So uh, that's kind of the beauty of all these genres that they're so open and so. If anyone tells you you're not a real metalhead because you don't like this band, fuck them. That person sucks. Don't talk to that person ever again. That should not be a friend of yours. Um, uh, but uh, Jason, I think this is a band that you'd actually really dig. Yeah, no, uh, I, I really do. Sumerlands, self-titled record. It's on Spotify, on um, Apple Music. Uh, Eternal Champion, again, not on streaming services. You have to go onto uh, Bandcamp and buy their albums. I think digitally you pay two, three bucks a record, which is worth it. Support your artists, people. Like support the media. Yep. Yes. Okay, let's move on to trivia, Jody. Okay, so usually I try to find some trivia that relates to the episode, and I couldn't. I, I just couldn't this time, and so I just have uh, five random uh, facts and stories for you. Love it. So the first one is uh, in the 1940s. Both Life magazine and many hometown newspapers. Reported the story of Mike the Headless Chicken. Now, you know, uh, chicken, we, we've heard they run around after they get their head cut off. Uh, this one had just enough of his brainstem attached 
that he lived for 18 months and uh, toured around with no head uh, for 18 months. So if you were in the 1940s and you had nothing to do, you could go watch a chicken run around without its head. And having no head for 18 months is just sad. So poor chicken. Uh, All right. Um, There is an official ruling for how many Tootsie Pop licks it takes to get to the center. It officially takes 369 to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop because... uh, Nice. Yeah, I I knew that was right. Uh, (laughs) According to some engineering students at Purdue who used proprietary... I'm setting things up again. A licking machine uh, that they used (laughs) to do this. Uh, Jason, can we link this licking machine in our... uh... Use our promo promo code. There's so many places to go with that. (laughs) Use our promo code as the best line in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Shut this we'll shit do, down. Uh, We're done. Go to adamandeve.com for more. All right. Fact number three. Armadillo shells are apparently bulletproof. One man in Texas was hospitalized when he shot an armadillo and it ricocheted off the animal and hit him in the jaw. So don't shoot armadillos. Don't be just randomly shooting them. They're already going to die. They're going to run out in front of a car anyway. They're, they're going to be dead soon it, enough. It seems like he got what he deserved for trying to shoot an armadillo. I was going to say that, but I thought that would be a little cruel, but yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Dude, first of all, if an armadillo is, uh, is in its ball form because it's scared and you still shoot it, fuck you. You're an asshole. You deserve to get ricocheted and hopefully it's shot. It. Well, shot him in the jaw. So uh, right. He's going to be okay. It'd be better for shot in the ball. He learned a lesson. He learned a lesson. I, I, I do think it's interesting too, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think it's um, American armadillos don't fully enclose in the balls. Or they don't wrap around 100%, but like European ones actually go 100% and fully are fully enclosed. See, the, armadillos are not something I'm super familiar with because they used to be an out west animal, like out your direction, but they have slowly started migrating, and now I see them dead on the side of the road here in tennessee so uh, we don't get them out here where i'm around but i'm also i'm in the city so right yeah uh jason do do you see do you see armadillos out in california no you know i you know i do see this is a fun fact peacocks yeah we get those here too (laughs) yeah supposedly there was like a peacock population that was let out in pasadena specifically and uh there's like a we're like going to foothills and through the mountains and they just come down and they just hang out. Like yesterday, there's like three beautiful ones, and they're just like sometimes they go in my yard and <laughs> they, don't, they don't mess with anything. So I'm like, cool. So so normally the uh, the really colorful ones are the male mm-hmm. male peacocks, and there are a lot of funny videos out there about about male peacocks trying to impress female peacocks, and the females have no interest in them. Yeah, and it's them just like running around and following a female and like ex- expanding their arms and expanding their tail feathers, and the females like yeah. And just walks away. So they'll try it like eight different times. And eventually uh, they all just part their ways, which is showing that even male peacocks um, understand consent and understand when to walk away. So <laughs> a, a lesson for all you motherfuckers out there that don't understand consent. It's, it's, it's the uh, animal equivalent of some dude just like standing, like showing off his muscles at somebody like, hey, eh? and the girl. Isn't that, isn't that what they call it? Peacocking? Yeah. Not, but, but, but at least uh, peacocks go. Oh, they just walk away. Yeah, and they, don't, <laughs> and they don't press the issue too much. Right. No. All right. So another fun fact: the blob of toothpaste that sits on your toothbrush has a name. It's called a nurdle. So once you put it on the toothpaste, it's a nurdle of toothpaste. Oh god, I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. 
It's it got like a, I, I like the ring of that word though. Like I'm gonna start calling my kids all nerdles. Nerdle. Is, man, there's wordle, there's loodle, there's feature, there's wordle. Why is there not a nerdle? Let's invent it. No, buy that when you guys buy that domain. Buy that fast. domain name immediately. Yeah. yeah. All right, and here's your last one. And this makes me think all kinds of things. The Cookie Monster has a real name. Oh no! Oh, don't. I- I'm hoping it's something weird like, like uh, Melvis Greg. Well, no, it's just it's it's Sid. Uh, really? Sid, and so now I have to think there's some backstory where at some point they all started calling him the Cookie Monster, and maybe he hated the nickname. He he. Like, why would you call a kid the cookie monster? He just enjoys the cookies, but eventually he just adopts it as his own. His whole personality just becomes about the cookies. I mean, does he really enjoy the cookies, though? Because when he eats a cookie, it's like he eats cookies like Stone Cold Steve Austin drinks beer. Yeah. We're like 90% of the cookie falls out of his mouth and falls onto the ground. Because it's not about it's it's become a performance. It's it's not about the cookie. It's about getting the cookie, uh, desiring the cookie. It's, It's a whole powerlessness um versus he's, he's just playing a role he's playing a role in society the society has forced him into maybe he doesn't even want a cookie maybe he, he, just, wants to, he just needs to find a higher power <laughs> this is going so, in weird directions but it's cool so so to sid it's it, we're, we're saying sid, it's about we an- see <laughs> you're saying it's we about anticipate we hear you you matter sid <laughs> you're more than just a cookie monster i was gonna go in a really weird direction with that I love that Jody just powered through. Like, no, we're not going there. <laughs> we're just gonna go. Sorry, Sid. I, had a, I had a bit. I, I was in the middle of a bit. I had to keep going. Sid, denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> well, with that, we're never doing another episode of the podcast again. That's twice I want to quit the podcast in one night. <laughs> <laughs> we're not done yet. Oh Lord. Well, anyway, that's it. That's five fun facts. Uh, for you to do whatever you want to do with them. I love it. All right. Well, that brings us to dad advice. Do we have any <laughs> suggestions? <laughs> I was going to go with the uh, the greasy diner and see what your go to uh, greasy diner breakfast order is. I, uh, I like that. I meant to um, ask more questions. So please, if, if you guys have any questions for us, anything you want us to talk about oh, yeah. for dad advice, mm-hmm. um, drop us a line on Twitter. Instagram or at our email address, which is dads from the crypt at gmail.com. I'll try to get better about posting um, a link to Instagram on days we record. We generally always record Sunday. So I'll try on Sunday mornings to post a link um, where you guys can ask us some questions because it really helps when I have writing prompts, but I do like the idea of what's your favorite go-to uh, uh, greasy spoon, greasy diner breakfast. So Jody hit us with that. All right. I mean, you got to have potatoes. Mm-hmm. Shredded potatoes, hash browns, grilled up in a lot of grease. Mm. I like some bacon. Actually, let's not just pick a meat. I like the bacon and the sausage. And I like, you know, one of those like uh, Grand Slam kind of things from like a Denny's with all the meats. Give me, you want as much meat as possible. I'm not even taking that bait. Uh, Sounds like I already did. I don't need, I don't need, (laughs) a couple fried eggs. I mean, if, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go for a greasy spoon, like I know I'm going to be, you know, taking a year off my life. I might as well enjoy that year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm kind of like you are where I, I don't eat breakfast at all. Usually cause I, I, I fast, but uh, Saturdays and Sundays are when I eat breakfast. Once I eat breakfast is I go to the gym on Saturday, come home around 1230, take a shower, make breakfast around 1 PM. That's my breakfast day. And I'm a big fan of uh, giving me my bacon thick cut. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the shit you get, go to the butcher at your grocery store or whatever, because you pay about the same as you would to get in the package and it's sliced so much better. You get nice because, man, let's be honest. When you get that thin cut bacon, it just cooks way too quick. You mm-hmm. can't get what you it's it's impossible to get a really good cook on it. Cook that shit on medium. Yeah. Cook it low and slow. Take your time with the bacon. Then when you're done, take those potatoes. I like I love hash browns. I also like um, breakfast potatoes. Just mm-hmm. nice, really fine. Mm-hmm. Throw that shit in the bacon grease, fry those up nice and crisp. And afterwards, I, I, I don't dislike fried eggs. I hate when fried eggs get the uh, the charring around the edges. Yeah. That, that hard flavor. That. See, and for some reason, it really bothers me. And I don't know why. I don't have a great reason. So I usually always scramble my eggs. And the, there's a trick to scrambling your eggs. And it's when you think, it, when, when they start to congeal and they're still mm-hmm. a little bit runny, and if they're too runny, that's when you take them off the heat. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they'll, they'll keep cooking on the plate. They'll get nice and cooked on the plate. And then you'll have some perfectly just fluffy, moist uh, scrambled eggs. And then uh, if you want some pancakes on the side, I'm a happy guy. Mm. Nice. I like my Kodiak pancakes. So Co- a Kodiak in the bottom in the box, protein pancakes. Good mm. shit. I've seen those. Um, okay. I've got a couple answers. I like to go with here. Um, Cause I like my, brec- I like my greasy breakfast. Dude. Uh, breakfast food is amazing. And you cannot count because anything you say is the right answer here. Like there's okay. no wrong answer when it comes to breakfast food. No, it's more unless like it's, it's more about how many answers I can have. Dude, um, even soy rizzo is okay. So. <laughs> so my my absolute favorite is uh, chicken fried steak. Oh, good! I love, nice. I love yeah, nice. chicken fried steak. Same when we were talking about Cracker Barrel earlier, and that is my go-to right there. That's a good. I, answer. I've had it there. It was it wasn't my favorite. Maybe it was just I don't know. It was the day or something. Have you had, it, have you had it in the South though? I think yeah. that makes a difference. <laughs> no, I, was in, I was in Georgia. Okay, okay. Um, Jody's like goddamn West Coast city slickers. <laughs> but here's my thing about chicken fried steak it needs to be brown gravy not the white gravy i don't like okay okay i, I like the white gravy but I, like, I, like okay. I like the white gravy like on just like a biscuit but on chicken fried steak i, I like the brown gravy uh but real fast so gravy on biscuits and gravy needs to be way different than the white gravy on chicken fried steak biscuit gravy on biscuits and gravy should have uh sausage in it well, yeah. Chunks. Well, yeah i yeah. chop up some whenever i make gravy yeah um, yeah, so I'm a huge chicken fried steak. My second favorite is corned beef hash. I love oh, corned man. beef hash. Man, like um, the you... problem with corned beef hash is oh. that most. No, hold on a second here. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Is that most people have only ever had it out of the can? Mm-hmm. That's the only grocery store. When you get a good corned beef hash, mm-hmm. oh, oh so good. Those good those shit. are those are two separate experiences. Like the at a nice pla- or a place that knows what they're doing and they actually have like nice shredded corned beef and mm. good potatoes and everything. That's fantastic. However, if you're going to tell me to make some out of the can, I will take, make it out of the can and I will enjoy the hell out of yeah, that. No, I, like, I'll I love that it. stuff. I'll enjoy it. All right. All right, Jody. I hear you. It's, it's more, it's more the, the crack versus right. the, uh, <laughs> it's just like, yes, yes, to me. yes. No, it's c- corned beef hash out it's, of a can is what my dad used to make for me when I was at high school. Like he'd mm-hmm. get up in the morning and, Make a few cans of it, scramble up some eggs. So I have a nostalgic thing with it, but also that's cool. It's, it's good stuff. Dude, no, I, 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 I love spam too, so I get it. Like it's, I love spam too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not I have, spam I have guy, trash taste. Like the I mean. <laughs> um, my... well, Jody is basically a raccoon uh, disguised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. And the third, and this is more of a, maybe it might, might be more of a California thing, is the breakfast burrito. Like just give, like me all, just give me all, just give me all the breakfast things and just put it in their tortilla and let <laughs> me just go wherever I want with it and just 
I haven't had one in a long time, but I do. I can appreciate the breakfast burrito. Uh, a breakfast burrito is fantastic. Uh, the, the 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 key to a breakfast burrito or any burrito you have is the tortilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have a great tortilla, you can put fucking almost anything in there, and it's gonna be pretty damn good. If you have a sloppy tortilla, it's a lot harder. What I really like is uh, hash browns in the in the breakfast burrito mm-hmm. with some sour cream. Like as long as that's like somewhere in the mix. And you just get that bite, and he's like, "Oh, there we go." And yeah, I'm not a big sour cream guy. Um, I love sour cream. I, yeah. I like it very sparingly, um, but I do love a good breakfast burrito. Like you said, like if you get this hash browns, nice and crispy. Yeah, we got a place we can have deliver. They actually they only do delivery, and they do pastrami uh, inside the breakfast burrito. Hmm. I don't really know good. how I feel about that, but uh, I would try it. Yeah, and also the pastrami, it's going to be close to the corned beef. I would think. That'll be and, similar enough. And also two more uncommon things. Um, chorizo. Love mm-hmm. good chorizo with breakfast. Yeah. Um, if you have a, a, a Mercado near you, a Mexican market, get the chorizo from there. Yeah. It's even better. Or carne asada breakfast burrito. Mm-hmm. Ah, fucking, fucking great. We're basically three fat guys that like food. Yeah, we're we're gonna gonna be <laughs> I'm, I'm getting hungry right now. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm like, it's too late. It's almost 10. I, I have not eaten yet, so... Uh, I'm going to eat after this, but now like, I want all these things instead of the yeah. bratwurst that I have planned. <laughs> I mean, you, so, can make, you can make a burrito, the breakfast burrito, bratwurst. I've seen it. So, so I'm going to ask here, since we're talking breakfast stuff and it's late at night, when is the best time to eat breakfast food? Anytime I'm, you I'm feel a like. Breakfast, I'm a breakfast for dinner kind of guy. Oh, I love dude. this stuff at dinner time. There's never a bad time for breakfast. Breakfast food is always fantastic. Uh, don't make dude, any time is a good time for breakfast. Well, it depends on which type of breakfast. So like my actual breakfast breakfast is just like a bowl of oatmeal with some fruit, with some fruit. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you talking know. about these, these breakfasts. That yeah, no, these breakfast things, the good stuff. My, my favorite time for this kind of stuff is like 1230 AM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After going to a show or a movie or something like that. And you just want to keep it going. <laughs> no, you don't have to be aware in the morning. No, we were um one of the last times I ever had IHOP was I was out in California doing some work at LAX. And me and a buddy of mine, well, yeah, we tied on a little bit hard that night. And we're trying to find a place to eat. And there was an IHOP oh, nice. at yeah. the hotel. And that is still to this day, I will swear, as one of the best meals I've ever had <laughs> in my life. Because we're so fucking hungry. And I got that Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity. Mm. Life was good. Although... I know what I'm getting when I go to IHOP. Like I, my expectations are tempered. Um, yeah. We have an original. We still have an original pancake house here in Las Vegas, and I haven't I hadn't eaten there in like six, seven years. Like six months ago, maybe seven months ago, whatever. Um, my wife and I went and got that, and it was still pretty goddamn good. I was impressed with how good that food was. But just saying, if you have an original pancake house, better than IHOP. Yeah, my niece used to work at one. Um, just until I think right, right up until pandemic, when they just kind of shut things down. She was working there. And, and Jason, did you say what is your preferred ways to have your what is your preferred way to have your eggs cooked? Um, it kind of depends on what they're going with. Like in what let's like, just say just eggs on your plate is gonna be just yeah, eggs. usually like a Jody very, said Jody like fried. I'm a scrambled guy. Oh yeah, I'm a scr- like a, a loose scramble. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't you, know. You can, I don't know what that, that means, but it sounds cool. Like a like uh <laughs> easy scramble, you know, like you said, not Little Once way. it starts curling, then you take it out. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Again, yeah. Usually, I usually try to pair it with something. Am I going to put it in the, in the tortilla? Am I going to 
put it next to some sausage or something. So, so Jason, you, you played football in high school. Did you ever eat raw eggs for protein? Oh, God, no. I tried it, and I wasn't even it, in high school. I wasn't even in football. Okay. Uh, what was your experience? No, my, my dad um, was, <laughs> he played football in high school. And so when I was a teenager, you know, trying to lift weights and, you know, all the stuff teenagers try to do yeah. to depress girls, uh, <laughs> I was trying to bulk up a little bit. And uh, he made me some milkshakes with some raw eggs in them. Mm. You could, it masked it pretty well. I can't imagine just like straight okay. up eating a raw egg. Okay. That sounds I, terrible. <laughs> I, I, I've done the straight up raw eggs. You crack into a glass and just drink it. And you want to know what? It's fucking terrible. Like, yeah. Sure, please yeah. don't do that. Like, <laughs> sounds awful. Um, speaking of high school, last night I was just wanting to watch something and that was i watched i watched one movie and then i just the recommendations came up and varsity blues came up i've never seen it you've never seen it it's just one of those nostalgic because actually i was high school playing football at the time so like the whole team went to go see it and not a great movie but it just still holds (laughs) it's just still the songs the stuff are just like bring it back afterwards they picked on a bunch of nerds for watching horror films i know (laughs) i know (laughs) I had to get my James Vanderbeek because I used to be a big Dawson's Creek fan. So I'll, okay. I'll wear that badge. That's fine. I, I, I never watched Dawson's Creek, but I, I have enjoyed late James Vanderbeek where he's played like a crazy version of himself. That was the show uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, where he played oh, yeah. James Vanderbeek, oh, like funny. an insane version of himself. It's really funny. It was a funny uh, show. It was I, good. I, I think I got respect for him when he took the piss out of himself in Jay and Silent Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was really cool. Or if you've seen the uh, Rules of Attraction, yeah, uh, oh, that's a crazy ass movie. Now, see, while you're busy being a nerd in high school watching Dawson's Creek, I was busy being cool and watching pro wrestling. So <laughs> I had, I, I didn't have time for Dawson's Creek. Right. We've 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 had enough discussions to know that none of us were busy being cool in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how we all ended up here together, right? Like, I yeah. know. How, who could have thought? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up another episode. Next week, we will be reviewing Spoiled. We appreciate everyone for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. no seriously you really should watch but be careful what you ask for you may get it (laughs) and we out